Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hey everybody, Pastor Justy here and welcome to our midweek Bible study. So thankful that you are here and joining with us this evening or whenever it is. Maybe it's tomorrow morning or the next day or next day, whatever time it is. We're just glad that you're a part of us. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of John chapter 7. And we're going to read in verses 37 through 39, along with a whole lot of other scripture. We've got a lot to cover this evening. We're going to dive right into this right after we say just a moment of prayer. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you and we love you and we we just appreciate you. I appreciate you so much for all that you've done for me and to me. And and God, I I just know that I don't deserve any of it, but I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that you are loving and gracious and kind and, and, and faithful and patient. But I'll also revere and respect you enough to say, God, help me, correct me, um, and use me. Do whatever it is that you want to do in my life so that my life will glorify you including this message. May this message glorify you. May it go out to somebody who needs it. May it instruct and correct and and uh, encourage anyone who needs it tonight. Breathe a breath of fresh air into us, Lord. Use your word. Wash us clean. Renew us and regenerate us by the washing of your word. Wash us clean, Father. God, we need you, and I ask for all of those that are reaching out to you, that they would find you. Even if they just find the hem of your garment, I pray that they find you. Have your way in this word tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, thanks for joining with us. We have started a brand new Bible study called Getting Into the Flow. Oh, I'm so excited about this Bible study. I have loved learning this myself and, 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 and getting in the Word of God and digging deep into this. I have so enjoyed it, and I'm, I can't wait to give it to you tonight. Um, this, this Bible study comes from the, the, the premise of realizing that uh, we are still in this journey, right? We're still in this walk, this, this crazy thing called life. And it kind of reminds me of the story and many stories that are found in the Old Testament where the Israelites, the children of God, were were freed from slavery, freed from the Egyptian bondage, set free, but they were set free to learn how to walk with God, right? They weren't just set free and God said, hey, scatter, go, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. No, he had set them free and set them um, on a course to receive a promise that would blow their minds. But in between the, the being set free and stepping into the land of promise, there was this journey that they had to walk out. Now that journey took a lot longer than it originally should have, we all know that, but that journey was so important 
I thank God um, allowed them to go on that journey to learn one major, major principle that would hopefully not just carry them, but also carry their next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next and so on and so on. And I think it's the same principle that God wants us to learn after we have received salvation and after we have stepped into our faith walk and our journey to walk with, with, with Christ. I think it's the same lesson that we need to learn. Okay, and what is that lesson? That lesson is to learn that God is their source and their supply for everything that they could possibly need. That was why God was uh, taking them through through these these situations in the wilderness where they had to learn to depend on him in the middle of warfare, in the middle of their fighting, in the middle of their scratching out and going against people that were coming against them. When they were standing against their enemies, God wanted them to learn, hey, I am your source of victory. The battle is mine. That's why uh, there was a time when Moses, every time he held his hands up, the, the Israelites were winning, but if he laid his, his hands down, um, then all of a sudden they began to lose. Then we know the story says Aaron and Hur came up right next to him, raising one hand, raising the other hand so that the Israelites could win. And what that simply means is as Moses was stretching out towards God, God was stretching down towards them and God provided the victory. There were also many other lessons that they learned, lessons like how to approach God through the sacrifices and the sacrificial system that God had set up in the tabernacle. How to walk with God through that system. Also, every single morning, God provided manna. He provided food for them every single morning. God also provided water for them from a rock. How amazing is that? I think we touched on that last week. But in all of these moments and situations and circumstances, in all of these, these uh, little detours of the journey of life, God showed them an amazing principle, an amazing fact, that if they would get into the flow, get into the groove, if you will, of what God is saying and wanting for their life, then God will provide for them everything that they need. It's good news to us because Jesus came basically saying that same thing and not only saying that same thing, but making a way available for us to get into that flow. Even though we're not God's original uh, 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 Israelite or chosen people, we know that by the work of Jesus Christ, we all can be his people. We can all be his sons and his daughters. We all now have this incredible opportunity of getting into a flow Oh, the Bible speaks so much about a flow, right? The, a flow, and what I mean by a flow, it means basically from a, a major source, um, there is a, a trickling down, a running down, a moving down, a move from a major source to a place of need, right? That's but that's kind of what a river does. It, it, it starts as a stream and that, that source builds up. And then as that source overflows and it, it always runs downhill, right? Nothing's going to stop it. No rock, no mountain, no tree, no, no hill of dirt, no circumstance. It's not going to stop until it reaches a low point, reaches a place that it's needed to be, where it's designed to be. I think that God being our source loves to flow down to us 
and reach us right where we are, right where we are in our need, our greatest need for him to move so that he can teach us that he is our source and that we can walk with him. Jesus Christ is an incredible example of, of, of walking a life out and a purpose out successfully to where he got to the end of his road and he could look back and say, I have done exactly what you've told me to do. I've finished my course. I've run my race. I now can ascend into heaven. I've I fulfilled what your purpose and your plan was for my life, Heavenly Father. Apostle Paul said the same thing toward the end of his life when he's writing to Timothy. He says, hey, I've finished my course. I've fought my good fight. I'm ready. I know that I've been successful in what God has told me to do. And I know that's what all of us would want is we want to be successful at being sons and daughters of God. We want to be successful at accomplishing the purpose that God has and the plan that God has for our life. Well, I'm so very thankful that that purpose and that plan depends more on the source than it does on the one that it's pouring down to. As someone said it this way once, it depends more on the divinity of God than the humanity of myself. But... Even though there's this divinity and this humanity, there is a way in which we can line our lives and ourselves up to get into a flow and get into, if you will, a groove or a rhythm, a walking with God, a walking with Christ in such a way that we can find those streams in the desert, that we can find those those highways made in, in, in a Red Sea, that we can find provision, we can find water, we can find bread of life. We can find everything that we need from the very source that has given us our purpose in the first place. And it is getting into that groove This is what we want to talk about. And we're using, of course, uh, the ultimate groove master, right? The ultimate groovy God, and that would be Jesus Christ. We're using the life of Jesus Christ, the ministry of Jesus Christ, and how he didn't just accidentally get to a point of success, He stayed and he learned the importance and he knew the importance. He knew the importance of staying in that connection and that groove and staying in sync with his heavenly father. It was, uh, it's also said that Christ came to give us the heartbeat of God, that, that syncopated rhythm of God to teach people how to walk with him. All right, Uh, this is where we want to pick up in John chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 37 through 39, just to kind of pick up where we left off last week and take this ball and run with it, all right? On the last day, John 7, 37, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone who believed in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. 
Um, here he is at the Feast of Tabernacles, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, every day they get a pot of water from 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 the pool of Siloam, and they, they get that, and they hold it up, and they, they give God praise for, for being with them, and they remember what their ancestors had to go through as they walked through the wilderness, but yet how God was always with them in the presence of this water. And as they lifted up this golden pot of water, they give God praise, and then they poured this water out on an altar, giving God, again, thanks and praise for what he has done. Here's Jesus in the midst of this, this feast, this festival, this t- festival of tabernacles. And, and, and on the last day, he says, okay, he said, as you've gone through your rituals and your routines, I want you to understand something, everybody. The living water that you can dip your life into is here. The living water who, the, the one, I am the cup that holds the, the living water, the, the, the one that is, 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 is holding the cup of the new covenant for you to drink. I'm here for you. And I'm going to give to you something that's going to help you get in the flow. I'm going to flow to you in a way where you're going to now become a flow. And that's why he said, out of your heart, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Isn't that kind of cool? Plural, right? Rivers of living water. Now, last week, I just barely mentioned that we were going to be covering seven different flows, if you will. Seven different flows. The very first flow we're going to talk about is the flow of the Word of God. Now, some would say, well, wait, what about prayer? What about, is prayer not the first flow? No, I would, I would say that prayer is not the first flow, but what prayer does is it, it puts you in position to receive the flow of God. Prayer keeps you humble, right? Prayer, prayer keeps you seeking the face of God. It keeps you on your knees. It keeps you looking for, uh, for God to move. Prayer keeps you in sync. And so prayer is what I would say the acting out or the hungering or the thirsting or the seeking, however you want to call it. Prayer is the, the acting out of positioning yourself, your, your vessel in a way that you can put it underneath that fountain of living water and let it f- flow down into you. Now, Proverbs 4.23 says, For watch over your heart with all diligence, because from it flows the springs of life. So that's why Jesus said, From your heart will flow rivers of living water, that you'll be in such a groove that from God's heart to your heart, so those springs of life are coming from the heart of God through the grace of Christ who has made a way for us to get into that fountain. The, the grace of Christ who says, I'm that living water that you can drink from that you'll never be thirsty for anything else ever again. Bring your vessel, your cup to me. I'm making a way possible for you through salvation, through my grace, through my mercy that I'm pouring out on you and I'm pouring it out on you in a way for you to come and get into me. Get into me. And then not only get into me, but get with me. Get in sync with me and do as I am doing and be as I am being, right? Now, I want to read to you another passage of scripture that goes deeper into what I mean by the Word of God and and getting into the flow of the Word of God, okay? Um, John 15 and 3, Jesus tells his disciples, And you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ 
also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, so it is in that giving of himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse. There's twofold here. Sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. There are these, there's, there's these twofold uh, meanings here, descriptions here, that, that is found in Paul's letter to Ephesians, and it's in the context of husbands and wives, or the, the ultimate husband being Jesus, and the bride being the church, the bride of Christ. And he says, like, Christ has washed us with his word. And again, there's these, these multiple descriptions here where he says, to sanctify and to cleanse, so that we can be holy and without blemish. There's this twofold cleansing that's going on here, but there's the context of the Word of God in that. Now, first of all, we must look at the fact that Jesus, being the Word of God, incarnate, comes to us to reinstate us with this, with the purpose and a divine purpose that was the our to go back to our original purpose and the intent of God for us to be in fellowship with him. And then, of course, we know what happened in the garden. We fell from that. And, and when sin came in and we fell from that original purpose, that, that purpose kind of got muddied. It got, it got dirty. It got, it got really rooted and grounded in the soil and the dirt of, of this world. Now, now, man was made from the dirt, but it was he was he was not just made from the dirt like a lump of clay and then just said, "Okay, have at it." No, God took that clay and he breathed his life or his 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 purpose, his divine purpose down into him so that he could be more than just what you see, more than just a lump of clay. We know that uh, through sin that had that had gotten lost. And if you've ever looked at the stories between the fall and the flood in the early chapters of Genesis, you will see that people are looking for a purpose, but they're not looking in the right place. That's why Jesus said in the last days, it'll be kind of like the days of Noah, where people will be having all kinds of purpose, <laughs> giving marriage, having marriage, having their daily life, whatever it is, going through their daily life, but not in a not in a divine purpose like they were intended on being. So if you look at the purpose and you look at, at how they looked everywhere but to God, except for a line, there was a line of people that, that came from, from Adam and that line of people came all the way down to, Mo, to, to Noah. And then Noah, the Bible says, he found favor in the sight of God. So as if he is someone who found that purpose in God, to be who God's called him to be. Everybody knows the story of Noah. If you don't, go back and check it out. It's a pretty cool story, right? Um, after, But you also notice something kind of particular. That after the flood and after the heat, Noah and his family exit the boat, exit the ark, and they get back to reestablishing the world. It's not very long before they start looking for purpose elsewhere again. 
purpose not found in in being what God's called them to be, but maybe I would dare say even purpose in trying to be God themselves. That's where we find the story of the Tower of Babel, where it says that they can reach heaven all by themselves. They can build this tower and not have to do it God's way. It's all this purpose, it, it gets muddied and muddled. And this is why God, through Christ, came to renew us, give us this new birth, and then wash us clean so that we could have the purpose that God had called us to be in, right? So it is Jesus who came to help us get into the flow of that Word of God. The, the living Word of God helped us to get into the flow and part of getting into the flow was getting into the Word of God. Now, let's let's look for example what I mean by that, all right? Have you ever noticed when you read about, read about the story of Jesus in, his, in the Gospels that every time Jesus got like stressed, and, and I don't mean that lightly, I, I mean that there was a human side to him that would get stressed. There was a human side to him that would that would get hungry. There was a human side to him that would have to deal with pains and, and even some temptations. The Bible says he was tempted in all points, but he did not sin. But that didn't mean he had to deal with those temptations. As he was in the wilderness, as he was being stressed by the Pharisees and the, the, the Sadducees, the Zealots, the, re, the religious leaders, the scribes, all these religious leaders, they stressed upon him, trying to fit him into their box of what they called their religion. And, and, and as every time that he was tempted, tried, tested, stressed, or every time that he kind of got into a bind, anytime he got into a point where his flesh was dying, look at the cross. So everything from, from the story of him going into the wilderness all the way to the cross and all those points in between, what did Jesus do? Jesus got into the word of God. We see that with his, his, his duking it out in, in the wilderness with, with the devil, with the enemy, how he is in the word of God and he's flowing in that so much so that when the enemy tries to flow back to him, a crazy spin on the word of God, he says, no, no, this is, this is how the word of God is supposed to work. This is the flow. Every time that he got stressed to the point where they say, hey, Jesus, tell us the, the real, true, greatest commandment. And so he would tell them what the Word of God says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? He would get into the Word. He, he was always in the flow. He was always in the flow. In fact, I want to read what Timothy Keller says. He says, look at Jesus Christ. Every time he was in trouble, he used the Word of God. When he was tempted, he used the Word. And even when he was suffering on the cross, he used the word, right? So that we too need to never underestimate the power of the word of God in getting into that flow. I like what Phillips Brooks also says. He says, Christ is the word of God. And it is not just certain texts that are written in the New Testament, though as valuable as they are. It is not just about certain words which Jesus spoke, vast as their preciousness may be. For it is in the word, 
which Jesus is, that the great manifestation of God is made. And so we see Jesus being the living Word of God, living in the importance of, of being in the flow and the groove of what God says, that He lives His life in a way where He could get to the end of His life and be successful completely to the point that when He has has, has come to his earthly end of his earthly ministry and he has been stretched as wide as he can stretch and he can pour out just about all that he can pour out and he gives up the ghost. He says it is finished. The clouds have rolled in. Thunder is rolling. Earthquakes are shaking. Everybody knows it's time to get out of here, but we got to make sure Jesus is dead. And the soldier takes the spear, goes through the rib cage punches his heart with the tip of that spear, pulls it out, and what happens, right? We all know, hopefully we all know, we all know that blood and water pour out. Blood and water. Blood and water. I say that again because it's so important. I don't think it was by coincidence that both blood and water, like a fountain of living water come out of his heart come come flowing out of his heart and i know that there are there there's a medical explanation for that and i'm cool with that that even even goes one step further to prove that god knew exactly what he was doing in the very beginning to create the body and the heart to do exactly what it did under such stress to teach us that that under the stress of jesus christ and the stress of, of, of all of our sin being upon him, that not just one flowed out, not just one thing, but both blood and water to prove that there is a flow. There is a flow. There is a fountain that cleanses. There is a fountain, and it is seen directly in the side of Jesus Christ. Now, there also in Zechariah, 13 and 1 says that God is going to cleanse us with as a fountain is opened up for our sins and unclean, uncleanness, right? Zechariah 13 and 1 says that there's a fountain that's going to open up, is going to pour out, and it's a, it's a messianic prophecy that that fountain is going to open up, that there's going to be a, a, a living water that's going to, going to burst forth. And it's going to do two things. It's going to clean us of our sins and our uncleanness. Twofold, the blood. What can wash away my sins? Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But then there's the water. And I think it's the water that represents the word of God. How do I know that? Well, very quickly, I'm not going to hold you too much longer, but very quickly, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to, you can go to John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, I'm going to read very quickly, verses 6 through 10. And it says, Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, what are you doing? Are you trying to wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing you don't understand now, but you will one day. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. 
Peter's out of sync. Peter's out of rhythm. Peter's out of the groove of what Jesus is doing. But Jesus answered him and said, If I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. Important words there, right? We'll get to that in just a second. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not just my feet, but also my hands and my head. But Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. There's bathe and wash. Two things. Here we go. Two descriptions again, right? But is completely clean and you are clean. He goes on to say, but not everybody, and he's talking about Judas Iscariot, who is not going to um, do what, he's not going to live in a way that is honorable to God. He's going to go and try to do things his own way, and that's how he sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, right? So here we have, even in this moment, this struggle of people finding purpose, not in doing things God's way, but in doing it in their own way, and then ends up getting into trouble, right? So Jesus, in this moment, is washing his disciples, who in this moment is just moments before John 15 that I read to you earlier when Jesus said, I've already, I've washed you by the word I've washed you by my word. You're cleansed by my word. John 6, he says that my words are spirit and they are life. I've cleansed you. You've, you've been, but, but here we have almost like two different cleansings. He says, he who's bathed needs only to wash his feet. You know, I think what he means on that is, 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 is the bathes represents salvation, right? Now, so Jesus, when, when he takes this moment, he takes the wash basin, he's washing the feet of the disciples. And he takes that wash basin. The Bible says that, that he clearly takes the, the towel that's around his, his waist, that's, this towel that's girded his waist. He takes that and he washes his disciples' feet with that. Most likely what he does is he takes his hands and he washes the disciples' feet, this this towel around his waist he he takes that and he he cleanses the feet off from dries the feet off with that towel now the word towel in the greek actually means a linen cloth and that linen cloth um, is a representation of righteousness and truth how do i know that because you can go to the book of isaiah chapter 11 and verse 5 Right, and go to Isaiah chapter eleven and verse five, and you're going to see where the Bible says that he is girded about with righteousness. The Bible says the girded, or he said that it represents the girding of his loins, or is represents truth and righteousness. Isaiah eleven eleven and five says righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness will be the belt of his waist. So here we go. We got his faithfulness, his righteousness, that, that, that represents that truth that's, that he's bound by. That's why we read later in the, the um, I believe it's Ephesians chapter six, when we get the whole armor of God, he says, gird yourself with truth. Let your, let your, your strength, everything that holds everything together, be truth and be the word of God. Right? So Jesus takes his righteousness 
and he cleanses them. Now, that to me doesn't mean salvation. Why? Because he, he says, Peter, if, if you don't let me do this, then you'll have no part with me. With me. And that word with mean, is meta in the Greek, and it means to be in sync, to be in accompaniment, accompaniment to, to walk with, to walk beside, to be in rhythm or to be in sync. So I think that that means, which is exactly what Ephesians means, how he has cleansed us completely through salvation, but then every day he knows we need some refreshing. Every day he knows we need some cleansing. Every day he knows that we are in a broken world and we are still broken ourselves. And so every day we need to be washed and we need to be clean and we need to be renewed by the Word of God. We need to be washed by that Word of God. Why? Because there's so much filth that is trying to enter into these ears and these eyes. So much filth that's trying to come in and get into us. And that's why you all know the truth and the reality of this is that when you're in places and, and areas and, and around things that you know are not honoring and pleasing to God, the more you're around that, the harder it is. And I don't know about you, but I've been even in some places where, you know, I kind of left there and I thought, eh, that just I just feel kind of dirty just being there. I need to, I need to get washed up, right? That's what the Word of God does. When we, when we take in the Word of God, when we, when we take that in and we allow that to wash the filth out, then what remains is what is supposed to be. And that's the true divine purpose of God. I, I like to say it this way. Knowing the Word of God will lead to knowing the God of the Word. And applying the Word of God will lead to experiencing the truth that drives every single godly promise and principle to fruition. There's a, the, Jesus himself said, hey, those of you that have been bathed, you don't need to bathe again right this moment, right? You need to just be washed. It's kind of like... Um, Right. Let's say you take your shower in the morning and then, you know, you go out and you, you work in the yard a little bit or maybe you just go do your daily business. You go to work, whatever it is, you do your thing. And then now it's lunchtime. Now, unless you just got really nasty, you're not going to take a shower again. Right. If, if you took your shower in the morning and you go about your daily grind and then it's lunchtime, most of us are going to take time to wash our hands before we eat. Right. We don't have to completely take a shower again. We just have to wash our hands. And that, that same act is what Jesus is saying, that, that he has he's, he's bathed us in salvation. That's what we read about here. It says, he who is bathed needs only to be washed. That bathed and wash are two different Greek words. One means full immersions, and the other means like just, just whatever is dirty. Well, I don't know about you, but there are times and temptations that try to dirty and muddy it up the purpose of God in my mind. And that's where I need the Word of God to wash all of that mud and gunk and grit and grime out so that I have what's left and found in the Word of God. Now, 
So as you read and you study and you meditate and you know and apply the Word of God to your life, it will actually cause you to get into that flow. And it will cause you to be like trees planted by a river of life, by a river of living water. So much so that your, your roots will learn to dig down past and grow deep past all the soil and the earth and the mud and the dirt, reaching to the source of life. Let me go deeper with that and then we're going to close this up. Check out these couple of passages of scripture. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be evergreen. And you will not be anxious even in the year of drought, nor will you cease from yielding fruit. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. What an awesome promise that, that he has opened up to you a river to get into, to get into that flow so that you can know your purpose and be washed whenever the world tries to muddy all of that up. Let him wash you daily. It's so important to get into your word every single day and let him wash you. Let him wash out all of the stuff and the grime that this world wants to put in your mind and know his will for your life and his word so that you can be successful at the end of this journey we're going to call the Christian walk. We love you. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would be with us and wash us clean every day as we get into your word, however it is that we can. Wash us, Lord. Renew our mind. Regenerate in us life and life more abundant. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.